Welcome to Iconic Talk. This is your community's podcast with conversations about real estate, local happenings, and all things Winchester, Virginia. I'm Mark Francis, a local realtor, broker, and owner at Icon Real Estate. We want you to be an informed, savvy real estate consumer in today's ever-changing market. If you want local knowledge, you have come to the right place. Well, last week, I was flying solo by myself, gave a little bit of the heads up about how that came to be and why. Today, I'm excited to say that I am not here by myself. I have another partner in crime with me, and um, her name is Megan Eanes, and I will not just freak you out, Megan, but we're, we're shopping around. We're interviewing people to be like, okay, do we have a camaraderie? Can we talk together? I think we can talk together, right? I think so. How are you, Megan? I'm doing great. How are you, Mark? Good. Well, thanks so much for joining me in this fun season of podcasting. You know, this is episode 40. I had no idea that we would continue to be doing this like week after week after week, getting the responses from people. And it's fun. It's exciting. So I'll just recap to you. Just the whole purpose of our podcast is to, yes, give people information about real estate, the local real estate, but then what's happening around town? And you know what week this is, right? Apple Blossom. Apple Blossom. Mm-hmm. So real quick, give me your your one quick take. Are you a fan of Apple Blossom or do you run for the hills? Typically, I run for the hills. <laughs> but, <laughs> but why is that? Like, what, what I, about I it? I don't know. It's just always uh, – and it was never – it was never a big deal to me growing up because uh-huh. I was in band. So I never got to experience it like everybody else got to experience it because uh-huh. I was in it and we were lining up yeah. and getting ready for it. So yeah. I really never went to the parades. Uh, as a kid, we used to go sit actually on the hill at Braddock Street. That sure. was my first yeah. memory of it. But so you grew up here in town? I did, yes. What school did you go to? I went to actually Jameswood for okay. three years and I then the school split and I was the first graduating class from Sharando. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a bragging, right? I yeah, guess. Yeah, a little bit. So, what instrument did you play? Alto sax. Wow. Yeah. Is it tough to march and play at the same time for those, what is it, a couple miles? I'm imagining is what the parade route is. Um, only on the days when it's ridiculously hot. Yeah. There were some parades that were in like the <laughs> 90s and you're like in wool uh-huh. suits yeah. and trying to play an instrument marching and you're just hot. Yeah. Other than that, no, they, they practice so much then. They know what they're doing. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My my son grew up and marched with Hanley, and he convinced my other son for one year to march and play with him, and he had the big bass drum around his belly. Ugh. And I was like, oh, Pierce, like that is going to be challenging. And he sucked it up as a freshman ninth grader and walked up and down the streets and did it. So I, I can't imagine. So kids, if your parents are – I'll talk to the parents right now. Parents, if your kids are doing it, be gracious. Thank them. Help them out. Right. Give them the water. Because I think it's going to be good weather, right? I think so. Things are looking pretty good right now. So I'm really hoping so. I mean, I'm I, excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, give us a quick rundown. Megan, you are a realtor here yes. with us at Icon Real mm-hmm. Estate. Um, give me a little bit of a background. Just tell us your story because, you know, since you're new here, we want to get to know you a little bit. So if you grew up in Winchester... What what was your what were your career aspirations? So uh, I've been actually in real estate for twenty years now, uh-huh. and my dad was in sales when I was a kid. So we moved around every two three years, mm. and I loved going and looking at houses when my parents were moving. Yep. and it was just it was a huge thing to me, and it had a really big impact. So um, we moved here. Uh, actually, twice we lived here, moved away, came back, and then we stayed. And 
from that point on, it yeah. was just this was my this was my hometown. Cool. This is where you I know, wanted to raise my kids too. That's helpful, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're from a town, you have connections, you know people, they'll trust you. Right. They'll work with you. Well, and especially because I mean, I chose to stay here even as an adult. I had yeah. lived in Manassas. I couldn't even make it a year over yeah. in like it's just a whole yeah. Different area. Nothing wrong with it. Just I, I like it here. So you're, so. you're a townie. I'm a townie. A, yeah. I, I love it. And my kids love it. And so I don't anticipate really going anywhere else. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's dive in a little bit because I wanted to have a brief conversation about real estate since I've got you with me and we're able to kind of connect from our 20 years experience plus together, mm-hmm. 40 plus years of experience. I have gotten many, many questions um, from people who didn't experience the the boom of 2004, 5, and 6, and then the crash, and they're saying, what is going on right now? This looks just like it. I'm scared that there's going to be a huge crash and recession. So on, on the episodes in the past, I've given my take. Give me your take on what occurred back then, and we'll dive in a little bit deeper, but versus what we see right now. Back then, 2003, 2004-ish, the market was, it just went crazy. Mm-hmm. And if you had to sell a house, you could, I mean, you just move on, buy a house immediately. It was, it was really easy transactional-wise. But um, yeah, the market did take a little bit of a dip. And, and the, the, it was like, it was very similar to like right now. Right, right. right. Very similar to what's happening right now. But I think it, it went up so much faster than it did here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a crazy market back then, but I don't think we're in the same position that we were then as well. So yeah. I think, especially with, um, like even with foreclosures and stuff. Yeah. So with those, if someone was going to ha- get in a position where they couldn't make their payments back then in 2006, uh-huh. there's nothing you could do about it. When the market started to kind of drop and yeah. tank is probably the best word to describe yeah. it, yeah. Um, you couldn't sell your house. Now and- it's just... <laughs> It's yeah. easy. It's and, easy to sell so, your house. And that's I think that's the similarities of yes, there was a huge big spike in sales and prices. Mm-hmm. Buyers couldn't get houses. It's very similar to, you know, about that 18, 19 year ago right. time period. But I think what people are worried about is a crash. Right. So if you see the similarities of the rise, I remember tracking sales back then, looking year over year, because I like looking at numbers. It was more than 20% increase right. for like three or four straight years. And you could almost see the writing on the wall that it can't keep up that pace. I think you're right. These days we're looking at like maybe like a 13, 14, maybe 15% increase for the last couple of years. Um, but the volume that uh, we have now is uh, it, the, the sales prices are going up, but the number of houses that are selling right. – are about the same. Inventory is the Inventory major is difference between what happened then and what is happening now. There's back just... then everybody was listing their house, right. and so it was just the, it was both the prices and the inventory was rapidly increasing. Right now, it's just the prices that are increasing, mm-hmm. and so there's a little little difference there. So, how can we anticipate in your mind avoiding this kind of crash that we saw back in 08, 09, 10, 11? I think because of the lack of inventory, that's going to 
prevent us from crashing mm-hmm. because people are going to keep having to buy houses and there is such a shortage of property right now to be able to purchase. People are going to consistently be moving yeah. and you've you got to go somewhere. So yeah. they're going to have to be buying houses. Right. So I don't really see that crash happening like what happened before. Right. Um, I, I think we're a little bit safer. And, and the interest rates are still, yes, they've gone up, mm-hmm. um, but they're still good in comparison to where they were back, you know, what, 12, 13 years ago? Yeah. yeah. You used the word foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, a little while ago. Let's let's dive in to unpack that a little bit because you were in a real estate office that worked mostly with foreclosures. Right. What did that look like from a real estate and a perspective? It, it was crazy. I, uh, I spent so much time actually in my car when it came to that period of time because mm-hmm. we were getting the foreclosure postings directly from Fannie Mae. Mm-hmm. They were coming to us and we had to go put the notices on the front doors of people. And instead of being the kind of the bearer of bad news, I took it more of someone that was going to be able to give these people an opportunity mm-hmm. to, um, you know, try to find something better or if we could find them a rental property. But it was, it was a really crazy market. It was constantly Constantly going out and looking at properties, and then um, we used to have to do some of the broker price opinions, the yeah. BPOs, which is kind of a, a real estate agent version of an appraisal. So we would do the reports. It's a cheap version of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, very cheap. <laughs> but um, when you've seen the market and you know the market, you're. You, it's funny how close you end up getting to what the appraisers do because mm-hmm. you just know it so well. But yeah, um, it was. Uh, the one misconception with the foreclosures was people thought they'd get a really good deal on them. Right. And that was not true. It's very early on mm-hmm. when banks were they they didn't have the the means to sell mm-hmm. and get rid of all of these houses that they were foreclosing on. They would go through where auction. Right. Um, really, even online wasn't the best place. They would list here in town the Winchester Star, right. which they still will do, and they have obligations to post, I think, two different advertisements before they do go to the courthouse steps. But it really is just an auction-like atmosphere that you would have. And every now and then, I remember as an agent, you would see something listed at a really, really low price in MLS. Mm-hmm. And it was obvious that it was a foreclosure. And I'm scratching my head. I'm like, how is it that the bank got a relationship with an agent? Because early on, back in those days, I would say 2009, 2010, the banks didn't have those real estate agent relationships. Right. Right. And so you would obviously see when a foreclosure got listed. Oh, definitely. And that, the way to look for them back then yeah. was to watch the newspapers. Uh-huh. And you could see the postings. And the major problem from a buyer's perspective when it came to that is you can't see the houses. You couldn't like you get in. You can't go in. You don't know what the inside looks like. And let me tell you, from yeah. having been in many of these well, <laughs> uh, hundreds of foreclosures, <laughs> I wouldn't have done it. Right, right. <laughs> it's, it's, scary. it's challenging. You yes. have to be a, a real like savvy investor who would right. be willing to take that on. And the other component is that it would have to be a cash deal. And you'd have yes. to close quickly. Yes. You couldn't go through the process of a bank and an appraisal and take your time. They would force you to say, you've got to put your 10% down up front. Right. And then you've got to go and buy it like within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And fingers crossed that yeah. the house is going to, you know, be livable, at least somewhat livable when you actually can get into and it and see what the inside looks like. fingers crossed that like somebody's still not living there. Well, that's true as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it was scary. I do remember one time having to go out to a property and when we got these listings, we had to go out and check on the house and take pictures of it if we could. So 
if the door was unlocked, and mm-hmm. some of these were like in Pawpaw, West Virginia. So we're, oh. we're driving a good distance to get right. out there. Right. You really don't want to have to come back and take pictures. And I remember going into one and the basement door was unlocked. And I just remember kind of being on edge because who knows who's in this house. Mm-hmm. I remember getting upstairs to the bathroom and go to take a picture of the bathroom. And I, I about had a heart attack because a bird flew out of one of the rooms. Oh, no. <laughs> so oh. I was like, after that, it's just you're... You're always a little bit on edge because you never quite you never know what know. you're going to find. You'll see some dead mice in the floor. You'll see, oh, and you some know, of the smells. Smells. There's just the cat pee, dog pee. I you ended name up it. keeping waiters in the back of my um, car oh. because you didn't know what you were going to step in when you walked in there. I can't tell you how many oh, pairs wow. of shoes that I had thrown away. <laughs> oh, it was it was something else. <laughs> so that goes back to thinking about on the courthouse steps. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you just you just never know. Brave. So let's let's. Fast forward just a couple years. So you, it was obvious when a foreclosure would get listed or it was obvious that a foreclosure was happening. Nowadays, it's seamless. You can't tell. So there was a transition period where banks would build relationships with real estate agencies. Right. How do you, do you remember like how your company got affiliated with some of those banks and what that looked like? Um, I believe it was an application process is what the broker had gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had applied um, with these companies. He really sought out and tried to give a, a basically do a test run. He's, yeah. you know, give me a property, let me show you what I can do. And they were happy with it, and then yeah. we and you a, were in the office yeah. and, and reaped all of the benefits uh, yes. of. I say benefits. That sounds bad, but of as an agent, you're able right. to represent the, the bank uh, to sell exactly. And, those and places. It, it was really kind of fascinating because there was such a process, so it had to be done in exact way. So I felt like not only were we, you know, representing Fannie Mae as the seller trying mm-hmm. to get these properties sold, but we were also educating other realtors in the area about how to do these contracts so mm. that they were done so that they'll they can go through and get passed otherwise if if things aren't written just right yeah. it just keeps going back and forth and that just doesn't benefit the buyer in yeah, the end because the bank has their own yes. legal paperwork that would be double triple quadruple the amount right. of what a standard sale would be right. with us agents so if you were representing all of these foreclosures mm-hmm. um and then the tide changed in my mind What's your perspective of when it started to see – you can notice that all of a sudden foreclosures were getting to be the same price point as sellers. In- that was honestly um, probably 2010, 2011 mm-hmm. during the height mm-hmm. of the foreclosures. They were priced to sell. They yeah. were priced based upon – because of those – the. BPOs and the appraisers were because we had the bank had an appraiser submit their appraisal mm-hmm. on the property. We did our realtor version of it, and then they based the price off of those two items. Yeah. So they were priced to sell based yeah. on the comparables in the area. And because there's so many foreclosures, and we can maybe touch on short sales mm-hmm. as well. In my mind, here's coming full circle. Right. How does it relate to today, and why is today different? Full circle is that the market started to decline because there were so many foreclosures happening at these low prices that the banks would just list at just well below fair market value just to dump it. And when you had so many foreclosures happening, a standard person like you and I looking to sell their house looks down the street and there's a house listed three doors down, 50 grand less than what you think yours is worth. You have to drop your price, otherwise you're not going to sell your house. Now, I didn't notice it so much with the foreclosures with pricing as much as short sales. Interesting. Because with the short sales, the banks 
they're working that hasn't they don't own it yet Mm -hmm. it's not completely theirs it's going to be there soon um, but they still have the sellers involved in that process with the short sale yeah so they almost accept just about anything Anything. is what it felt like so you could just you know try to sell your house I mean situation happened to me I was going to go put my house on the market and the neighbor sold theirs just or didn't sell it but they put it on the market for 30 grand less Hmm. it was a fabulous deal and then all they got to do is find a buyer and as long as the bank agrees it benefited them so honestly I saw it as the short sales because the foreclosures we were fixing up the majority of them so you could get a foreclosure it was the same price as basically any other home, but you were going to get, you know, new carpeting, new hmm. new flooring, paint, all those types of things. Because you were helping the Fannie Mae Bank right. take over the house, and then it, when you're stepping in anything under the, known under the sun, you're not going to be able to sell it. Right. And so you would facilitate a small renovation right. to do carpet, paint, whatever, to make it look good. Same thing as what we'd recommend with. to any buyers, any excuse me, any sellers now. Sure. Yeah. If you fix up a couple things and you spend, you know, a couple thousand dollars doing a little bit of work, you mm-hmm. can benefit so much more in the long run and yeah. sell it for a much larger in, price. In today's market, definitely. Yeah. You so know. it's it's kind of the same. Then we were trying, we were representing Fannie Mae and the banks, and so we were trying to help make them as much money as they could get out mm-hmm. of these properties. Um, same as we would do now with yeah. any of our sellers. But it's fascinating that you're saying the short sales really mm-hmm. drove the market down. I, I looking back, and that's probably I think you're accurate because thinking defining a short short sale is really where you have a loan, let's just pick a number, of $200,000. And you see the market um, in a way where you have to sell your house because you're not making payments. And the bank is telling you, okay, we're going to foreclose on you. There is an option, they might tell you, and Mm -hmm. say, you can attempt to sell your house and get out from under it. But you know what? Your house is only worth $150,000. So you owe more than what the market is worth. It's called upside down. Right. And so then... People are used to doing that more like cars these days. Yeah. Well, maybe not even these days, but in the recent past, it was always, you know, you're more likely to be upside down on a car than in a house. Right. But then those short sales... You drive the car off a lot, you're already upside down. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. In most cases, yeah. (laughs) But so if you have, if you're upside down and you can't sell your house in order to get the full loan paid back, you need the bank's permission Right. To sell that house, and they had their paperwork they to go through, and so you would list it at a really ridiculous low price because the the seller, the owner, at the time doesn't care what the price is. Right. They're just looking to get out because they're not going to make any money no matter what. And avoid a foreclosure avoid on foreclosure. their on their credit. You'll still get a credit ding for short sale. Right. But you're not going to get as big of a ding by getting foreclosed on. Right. So it's kind of a logical next step. Now, the struggle is that the bank has to approve that final price. Right. So in your scenario of, you know, selling a short sale, if the house is maybe worth 150,000, what does it matter? Let's list it for 100,000. Right. And see what happens because I don't really care. It's going to be the bank who decides. So you have a potential huge gap in what fair market value is to what the houses were getting listed for. Right. Right. There's your dri- driving price down. That, that's that's what I saw mainly. Um, and because the foreclosure started that way, but then because they were getting worked on on them, they were they were priced to sell at mm-hmm. the price based upon what the house was. It's not mm-hmm. like, oh, it's a foreclosure. The misconception was, oh, it's a foreclosure. I'm going to go in and offer $20,000 less. Yeah. I could, we just told people, you can do that because obviously we have to present all offers as, as agents. But pretty much tell you they're going to come back and say, uh-uh. Right. <laughs> and, the di- and so the difference on a buying side 
of foreclosure versus a short sale. Foreclosure, yes, the bank owns it, and yes, you might be able to get a decent price, but it's almost like you're acting with this specific seller. The Correct. seller is the bank. Right. And there is a little bit of negotiating, and generally they'll say it's as is, no home inspections, right. no repairs, you get it, take it or leave it, that kind of a deal. But you're interacting with the bank, and you'll get a quick response. The short sale, huh. you're interacting with the homeowner, who may have some sort of bias of what they think their house is worth or doesn't care at all. Right. It can be challenging to get them to sign off on certain things. And then once you get a contract, as a buyer, you have to sit and wait for a time period. Back then, the banks were inundated with short sales. Right. And inundated with requests to have them review this paperwork to say, are you going to let me sell this house for 100000 Right. <laughs> as opposed to two hundred, And it could take months. Oh, I literally. I had uh, a friend of mine that she would put an offer on a house the same time I did, and we both were actually were purchasing for uh, short sales, and mine was the shortest short sale ever. It was within thirty days. Wow! Never seen it, never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, the only time still. Yeah. Hers was nine months. It yeah. took nine months for them to be able to approve the short sale and them to be able to close on the house. Yeah. No. Here's here's the risk and the challenge. If you, as a buyer, are really willing to wait nine months down the road, let's say you did negotiate and you got the price for 125000 Right. Okay, you still need that bank's approval. They could come back and say, no, I'm going to take one seventy-five. Mm-hmm. Now, in your mind as a buyer, you're like, I'm getting a good deal. I'm getting it one twenty-five. Nine months has gone by, and you don't even have a locked-in price. Right. You're, you're, you're waiting, and the bank could play hardball with you and be like, no, I've got a $200,000 loan. I'm only willing to take a $25,000 cut, not $75,000. Right. Not not only just the house, but now you're talking about you weren't even able to lock in your interest rate. Yeah. So who knows what the interest rate was going to do at that point in time. It was very risky. You had to really like the house yep. and really be prepared to be flexible. And your agent needed to know what they're doing, too. Right. You needed a very yeah. experienced agent that yeah. knew how to deal with short sales. So. I'll be honest. I mean, early on, I took a short sale listing and did the best I can do, and we got foreclosed on. You know, and that that happened to me a couple of different times because the seller still wasn't making payments, right? And the seller claimed to me that they were communicating with their bank, and they really weren't. And it was challenging. And then all of a sudden, one day the realtor came calling and said, "Take your sign out of the yard. I'm the foreclosure agent now." Oh. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, was it my me? Gosh, it might have been me. No, <laughs> it was not you." Um, it, it, so it was it was a struggle, right. to to really navigate all those things. And now. You and I and many other people know better. The process has gotten way simpler. Banks are more equipped to deal with foreclosures and deal with short sales. We're seeing far fewer short sales. Right, these they're days. not inundated like they were. Yes, they've, yes. and I'm sure they have departments dedicated to just be able to deal with those short sales. Right, and you just and honestly, why would you short sale right now? Because you just your value, I'm sure, has gone up. Value Even, should be gone up. That's you why should you're be not able to just sell it. the house unless you've taken out ridiculous home equity lines True. of credits and a second and a third note on the on the house, and you're just totally up to your eyeballs. Right, it's not it's not happening these days. The, the good news of all of this, again, well, first of all, I'll say <laughs> this is probably another conversation for another day, what caused back in that in that time period the right. foreclosures and short sales. So that let's pause that idea because I think that's another conversation. Mm-hmm. But what caused them um, <laughs> the kinds of loans that were given to people that they couldn't pay, the qualifying of the people that couldn't, that really weren't qualified, we're not seeing that today. 
Not, not at all. Right. Not at all. Something that was interesting that happened a couple years after all the foreclosures started really um, going a little bit on the crazy side mm-hmm. is so about 2011 was a really busy year. And I remember getting phone calls from um, companies that were wanting to go back and look at the appraisal price of properties from few years before Uh it was very strange so the banks were starting to get more involved to kind of make sure what happened previously wasn't going to happen again but you know again without getting into all those details but there are more checks and balances in place right now yes um to protect the buyers and the sellers and make sure that banks and lenders weren't going out of control did you ever see a movie about that i'm i'm pulling it right now as we're talking about it, it makes me realize there's a really cool movie about this process I don't know. No? Okay. It's called The Big Short. No, I know. You need to research it because, yes, okay, it's rated R. There's some ridiculous things that go on in it. Um, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Christian Bale, Brad Pitt. I'm just looking at the the cast. So it's a legitimate movie. Right. Really funny, really good. That That spells out this time period of banks and lenders just getting rich like crazy right. off of people to get loans that didn't, were not qualified at all. And then it it even gets into details that were above my head. But the movie didn't and spells it out in such a way that you're like, oh, that was very interesting. Now I see how all that happened. Mm-hmm. I'd suggest go see it. I think, uh, I got to see, is it on Netflix? No, it's not on Netflix. Look it up. There, there's something that, that could be your... Your Thursday night movie yeah. hangout date night with your husband I'll, or wife. I'll, uh, I'll yeah. add it to my. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely add it to my watch list. Yeah, it's it's really good, mm-hmm. and, and so it spells out this time period that we're talking about. But again, bringing it full circle is this time period here and now like back then. I don't think so. I think the answer is no. No. Both of us are saying no. Mm-hmm. So as a buyer, you can still be rest assured that when you are spending these what you might think top dollar prices on houses, especially here in Winchester, we're going to be pretty steady. I've been saying that almost every episode, but just hearing your version of right. these details of foreclosures and short sales and kind of what went on back then, I think. I think we're looking good. Well, it's something interesting, too, is in, like, I live in Wakeland Manor in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So the houses were f- around 450 when they were originally built, between 4 and 450 um, back in 2006 when the market was kind mm-hmm. of at its height. Mm-hmm. So the houses, it took some time. Of course, the market had dropped and come back again. So we're we're just a little bit over where it was originally. Yeah. So it's, yep. it had, yeah, some, some dips and valleys to it. It's but neat to see that. We're kind yeah. of back on track. Yep. So we're in a honestly in a good place now and the interest rates are still still decent. So Yep. Nope. I'm right there with you. Don't be afraid to buy. Don't be afraid. So all right. So now that you're Megan, you're kind of a guest but also a co-host, I'm still gonna ask you these questions because we haven't heard from you yet. Okay. This is your first time here on Iconic Talk. And am I am I turning a little red already? Just a little in, bit. In okay, but okay. It just qu- you're in the hot seat. But I just quick answer in just okay. 10, 20 seconds, whatever pops into mind. Okay. So the first question is, what's one of your favorite restaurants in town? Paladin, Stephen City. Uh, where is that? Really? Off yeah. of, uh, on Warrior Drive. It's on Warrior. Yep, on Warrior, right by Anthony's. Okay. Yeah, well, you can't miss yeah. the giant bowl. So what <laughs> are they? What's their specialty? Um. They have amazing Brussels sprouts, and honestly, their burgers are fantastic. Huh. They 
uh, it's just we just went there on Thursday night. Uh, the one thing that we go for is uh, the fried oysters. Interesting. They're amazing. Okay. See, I don't get to Stephen City that, that often. There's one. They opened one. I think it's called P2 in the Woolen Mill right outside of Clearbrook. Really? Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Awesome. I love it. Uh, question number two. What's something you love about your neighborhood? I just love being able to walk around my neighborhood on the sidewalks. And I've been there 13 years, so we know a lot of the people. And uh, it's just a it's a good area. Yeah. My closest friends are all basically my neighbors. People. Yeah. So why is Winchester a great place to live? Third question. Uh, it would be the people. Yeah. Just friendly. You can, you know, if you are walking, you can, you know, wave. People wave back. I mean, yeah. they're conscientious that somebody will hold a door for you. It's just, it's just a really great great group of people uh-huh. great area yep and fourth question where do you meet new friends in winchester or even just where do you spend time with your friends um honestly as i've gotten older it's it's more local like we just yeah. hang out at each other's houses um yeah it's it's kind of funny i always thought you know when you're in your 30s is what i noticed and 20s 30s you kind of go out more and uh-huh. then it's just you know i, I, I just want to rather i just want to hang out on my patio so home. my patio would be the hangout place uh for me nice i'll hang out there one day okay. yes fifth question what is one of winchester's hidden gems i love um the pathway the walkway at rose hill off of Jones Road. It's, Jones um, Road. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. So people have talked about the big MSV trails. Right. But this is something that was created just a couple years earlier. Right. Rose and Hill. it's it's got, um, as you're walking through it, there's battles that had happened there. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of the Civil War area. And right. so you can read about different things that had happened yeah. as you're walking through. Um, same thing with the walk. I think it's the third battle of Winchester. It's over behind Millbrook. That's Millbrook. Yep. That one's great, too. Because you can only, not only just walk, but it's educational. Yeah. And that's a bigger one. Rose Hill smaller. Yep, yeah, Rose Hill, I think, is 1.1 miles around. And there's a little playground area and yep. a pavilion. So you can take the kids, have lunch, let the kids play on the I playground. I love it. Yeah. I mean, people on most recent episodes would talk about Museum of Shenandoah Valley, that trail. Mm-hmm. They'll talk about kind of the green circle for Winchester and how you can cruise around town. But those are two good pathways and trails that are hidden. Isn't it kind of funny that that it seems to be that the trails are the hidden gems? Right. There seems to be a theme. A theme. Mm -hmm. Winchester will be green one day. Yes. Yes, we'll get there. I remember visiting Minneapolis a few years ago, and they had trails everywhere. And I guess it's something about, you know, you want to take advantage of the peak season of the two months of the year where it's not snow. Right, right. (laughs) On the ground up there. And they, you know, so there's a aspect where I think Winchester is getting better in having these outdoor opportunities for adventure, for hiking, for biking, Mm -hmm. for walking, running. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Yes. And by the way, since I am more a part of the runner's culture these days, I'm seeing it as I go and see cross country meets. And by the way, so yes, last week I talked about how I was going to run in a 10K. How did it go? I'm still alive. Okay. Yeah. We obviously. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, I survived. Um, my legs didn't cramp up. I didn't fall out. I didn't start walking. I ran the whole time. You finished? I finished. Okay, that's awesome. I had a little bit of a cheering section. I had my parents were there because they only live an hour and a half away. My in-laws were there. I ran with my brother-in-law and my nephew. My wife was there. I mean, I was making sure that I was not going to embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. So finished in just over 53 minutes. That's great. I was proud of that. I was like, I, I did not expect to run under nine-minute mile. And 
was able to pull it off. Well, good job. So now, I, as I mentioned last week, do I have to run in the Apple Blossom 10K? That's the question on the table. Two weekends in a row? Hey, why that's, not? That's a lot. Yeah. Oh. Now, the, the, I, I used to run. That, I always see people running, and they look so happy. Yeah. And even when I ran, that was never me. Not I, happy. I, I did not like – I hated almost every single step except for, like, the last 20 yeah. right before you're done. Yeah. So I see people running, and they just look like they're enjoying it. And I thought about it, but that <laughs> hill in the very beginning, oh, that just – that deterred me. So if, if you uh, can do it, see that's that'd be what amazing. I'm dreading. The Richmond race was very flat. I think there was probably in years past they've said twenty thousand people have been there. I don't know what the total number was, but I was definitely in the end of the pack. And I intentionally, I'm like, I'm not a runner. I don't want to be in the front. And it kind of was fun being the far, far back. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was running at a pace that I could maintain. And I'm like bobbing and weaving through people, passing people left and right. That made it more fun. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Even towards the middle of the race, and I'm like still going, okay, I can I can pass these people. I can keep going. It's way more fun to pass people than be passed. So well, why that's not my just do the one coming up here, and then you did your two and done. Two and two and done. There you okay. go. I, all right, fine. You're convincing me. I will have to go out there. I'll wear my orange icon shirt. So you if go. you're out there watching, look for me. Hopefully, I don't have the ugly face. Well, if I'm running up a hill, it will be right. But. It's more hilly around here than Richmond, where I was. But, yes, look for me. I think I might even convince Dave Spence to run with me, too. Oh, two orange shirts. Two orange shirts. There might be two orange shirts out there. We'll see. Oh, I wonder if you can get maybe uh, Matt to run. Get Matt to run? I, you never Would know. Would Mike do it, too, maybe? Mike might be able to. Why are you listing all the guys? You can get some of the... Uh, uh, Anna? An- get Anna. Now, oh. all right, we are having oh. a team icon race for the Loudon Street Mile at the end of May. Okay. We'll talk about that. So we did it last year. It's amazing. Anna wore a tutu. Uh, I remember seeing pictures. Matt Kilmer had his dinosaur. And look out for that. 10K, that's a lot. One mile, we'll be there for that. So be on the lookout for the <laughs> the icon takeover of the Loudon Street Mile. Just look for the orange. <laughs> look for the orange. <laughs> yes. Well, let's just real quickly give a social media post of the week. You know, we, um, we like to at least... Give shout outs to people that we know or mention something really ridiculous or goofy that we've seen. We just mentioned the dinosaur with mm-hmm. Matt Kilmer. He continues to blow up social media. Look for him, like him. There's just two most recent posts. I don't know if they're most recent, but I saw one where the dinosaur is the bottom right corner of the picture of the house that he just sold, and Matt popped out behind it, made a goofy face, and then popped back down behind the dinosaur. Right. That was funny. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he does this magic of video, but he's doing it. And he's then, really good at it. Yeah. Well, I think he's hiring people, but that's that's okay. We're you're allowed to do that. Um, and then the second one, he was doing a ridiculous dance maneuver to the right or left of his dinosaur, who was mimicking him in the same video clip in front of a house that he just sold. It was isn't like it doing his, a happy dance. Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't it his happy dance? It must have been his version of right. a happy dance, or the dinosaur's version uh, of the happy the dance. The dino dance, maybe. Yes, I, he. I, I keep asking him if he has a name for it. I think he was calling it like Iconosaurus. I think oh, that's was the a pretty name. good one. The yeah. Iconosaurus dance. Yes. So anyway, what have you seen on social media these days? Oh, just the funny thing with me. I don't know if anybody else has issues with laundry. That just seems to well, be my issue. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Lately. Um, but that one, and then I was just telling you the other uh, earlier that when I tried leaving the office the other day, walking out here, have all my stuff, can't find my phone anywhere. Uh-huh. So this yes. really kind of just 
stuck with me a little bit. Don't you hate it when you can remember things from years ago, but you can't remember what you went into the kitchen for? Oh, wow. So when you can't remember what you're doing, you That's can't sad. remember. Oh, yeah. You just so things just get misplaced. Yes. Well, and what about laundry? Was there something oh, special the, the about laundry? laundry? Um, I don't remember what I just did with that one. That one was more like uh, basically you can fold it. There's plenty of time to fold it, plenty of time to wash it, but there's, you know, never a good time to put it away. Yeah. Like, never. Never. No. <laughs> never. Okay. That's, yeah. So if you guys, if you listeners out there, if you like funny posts, post them because we'll talk about them. I, I would much rather see a funny, goofy post than something where somebody's trying to sell something. So. Oh, definitely. Now, yeah. do you have a, um, you have a hashtag for the podcast? We do. Iconic talk. So there all you go. gotta do. Tag it. Tag it. Put it out there. We'll, we'll talk we'll about see it. it. We'll talk about it. Or Mark will talk about it. <laughs> Some, well, we'll get you back in here, too. I'm sure of it. So thanks so much for joining us today, Megan. Well, was, thanks for exciting. having me. Yeah. And guys, oh, one last thing. We, we're not going to talk too much about upcoming things because the obvious one we've been talking about this whole last month is Apple Blossom. Right. So all of the events and activities are going on currently this week. Obviously, Friday night, there's the fireworks and the farmer's parade. Saturday is the big parade. So- Go check all these things out. I'm going to be um, hung up tomorrow at the prayer brunch at Fellowship Bible Church, so you can see me there. If, um, I'll be actually working, not attending, but that's where I will be. Um, yeah, and then obviously communicate with us. Tell us what you guys did. Tag us. Let us know where you are, what you did for Apple Blossom. One other thing that you found, what's coming up around the corner, Megan? So right after Apple Blossom is Mother's Day. Wow. So if you're thinking about what so to fast. do for that special lady, your mother, your wife, whatever it might mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm. Um, Sunday, May 8th from 9 to 2, my favorite winery around here is James Charles. They are having Mother's Day champagne brunch. Wow. So that could be, Are you allowed to bring your kids? Uh, yes, you can bring your kids. Just There's let them, actually let kids them run tickets around, too. Let them run around that side. Maybe. I don't know about that. But Get the mom of her champagne their, or her rosé or whatever it yep. is. I think they're having it in their new salon that they just opened up. Oh, cool. Up. So they've got plenty of space and they've got tickets for kids, I believe. Yeah. Um, but definitely go to James Charles' website. Look them up. They've yeah. got the information on there. Um, they're fabulous. It's a great place. We've been there as a team and I would suggest going there. Um, mm-hmm. A couple other, there's other great wineries too, but there definitely are. There's several of them yep. in the area. That's the, that one's just tasty. Mother's Day can't be. And it. Mother's Day, no. yeah. Well, thanks again, Megan, and thanks for joining us on this episode of Iconic Talk. We hope you learned something from today's episode, and look forward to sharing more with you next week. Remember, when you look for a real estate professional, make sure they're experienced, innovative, personal, dedicated, and available. Well, we appreciate you spending some of your valuable time with us. If you have a moment, we would love it if you would leave us a rating and a review. And if you're enjoying listening, take a moment to subscribe or share this podcast with your friends. Yep. Until next time, think iconic. Iconic.